Really grateful that you would come today. Uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead. We're in John chapter 1. This is the, what is it, third message? Yeah, third message in John. We got a ways to go, huh? But we're going to study it verse by verse, bit by bit, and um, really, really excited about it. Um, I learned a ton this week about myself and about you, and I want to share some of that with you today. Um, today the, the message is Jesus followed. Jesus followed. And, um, you know, we all kind of follow Jesus or come to Jesus a different way. I mean, there's only one way to heaven, that's Jesus. Everybody gets that, right? Say you get that. I get that, right? There's one way to heaven, that's Jesus, that's it. But we all come to Jesus a little bit differently. We all have different testimonies, different stories. Some of you may have grown up in the church and you got saved at an early age and you don't think your testimony is that cool, but it's, it is. That's awesome, right? And some of you may have not grown up in the church and it took like a crippling experience for you to get on your knees and say, help me, Lord. And uh, others of you may have um, had a friend that just um, really spoke some truth and love into your life and was persistent with you, and that's great. There's just so many different ways. Um, and so um, there's four disciples here in our passage, which is interesting because we know how many disciples is there? Everybody, 12 disciples, right? <laughs> 12 disciples, so I guess that's 12 my way. This is 12 your way, right? Does that help? Not 21, 12. Perfect, awesome. Um, just need a mirror. But he's only focused on four. Why is that? I want to be clear why that is. John is focused on a selective, right, writing, instead of an exhaustive account, why? That you may believe. Remember our verse? The verse is on the screen now, John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. This is the reason why. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, all 12 of them, <laughs> which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life, eternal life, in his name. That is the reason John's writing his account. That's the reason he's included these four stories, these four men, these four temperaments. Have you ever heard that word? These four personalities. How many of you guys are uh, extroverts? Raise your hand. Ah, you guys are tired today. Usually extroverts are like, you know, it's early, it's early, I get it. Okay, how many of you guys are introverts? <laughs> yes, if you make me raise my hand. So that's great. Awesome. I love it. So that's kind of how we break people up. I hate, I hate. Everybody say I hate. I hate. It's not even a biblical word. We don't want to hate things, but like, I don't like pigeonholing people into like, you're this, you're that, whatever. But I do think what I see in this passage and what we're going to see is helpful, right? 
when you talk about, this is a very secular system, right? These four personalities. You ever heard of the disc test? Who's heard of the disc test? You guys? Okay. Myers-Briggs. Our staff is doing something called flipping right now. It's a kind of a leadership profile, and we're just trying to, we're always trying to grow our staff and our church, and so we're doing that uh, this week on Thursday. You can pray for our staff. So there's all these kind of things, but you've probably heard of this, the four temperaments, the four personalities, the major ones, very secular. We're even around back when this was written, which is interesting, right? Melancholy, sanguine, phlegmatic, choleric. I mean, these are, these are ways that we describe people, ways we pigeonhole people. And then if you go read up on it, it's like, well, but they could be this and this. They could be this and this. There's like all these different things that you could be. But my goal in this message, and I think what Christ is doing, is he's calling you the way you need to be called to follow him. And that is so comforting. Jesus doesn't come to you the way you aren't going to accept him. He comes to you the way you need him to come to you so that you will accept him, so that you will follow him. And I think that's astounding about Jesus. He's amazing. I hope that you'll see it too. All right, let's read the passage together. Um, Jesus followed Verse 35, if you're there, say you're there. Perfect. The next day, again, John, John the Baptist now, okay, was standing with two of his disciples. So this is day three, right? It's like three consecutive days. First, the Pharisees came. They were like, what's going on? And John, you know, was like, hey, this is what's going on. I'm not the Messiah. And then the next day, they came and Jesus was there, and he's like, behold, the Lamb of God, like to the whole crowd, right? And now this is the third day, and John's doing his thing. He's standing up again. What a consistent preacher of the Word of God. Every day, I'm on it. And he has a new message now. It's not just repent, the kingdom of God is coming. Now it's like, behold, the Lamb of God. Like, you guys, for serious, right now. Like, he's right here. It's pretty cool. And he looked at Jesus. You got to look at Jesus. I'm hoping that today I can get you to just turn your eyes on Jesus, okay? He looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two disciples who heard John the Baptist speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. Come on! 
which means Christ. We talked about that last week. Different titles. Same, same thing, but just different languages. He brought him to Jesus. So Peter, um, actually it was Simon at that point, was brought to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided, day what? Day four, okay. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip. He was looking for him and said to him, follow me. All right. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Interesting, uh, Andrew and Peter were from Bethsaida. Bethsaida means house of fishing. <laughs> they were all fishermen. And, but they didn't live there. Just in case you're reading the Gospels right now and you're like in a certain passage and it says they are from Capernaum. Right? That's where they lived, in Capernaum. So just so we're not confused, a little tidbit on the side there. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. How descriptive is that? Think he knows who he's talking to? Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Eh. Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said to him, Behold, listen now, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him. Now, we're not getting all of the story. Are you getting this? Like, what happened under the fig tree? I don't know. But Nathanael knows, and here's Nathanael's response. Answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Like, that's a turn. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree? Really? Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. God, open up our eyes to see clearly your son Jesus Christ through the word of God thank you for the precious gift of your love letter to us your living word written through men carried along by the Holy Spirit your spirit to give us an account of these things so that we may believe God help us to come and see today that your passing by, that Jesus is walking by. Help us to fix our eyes on him. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. So what do you do when Jesus walks by? I mean, that's what he's doing, right? It's like, look at Jesus. He's walking by today. Jesus is here today. He's sitting in the seat next to you, right? He wants to be recognized by you. He wants to be revealed to you. He wants to be followed. 
So what do I do, what to do when Jesus walks by? Here's the first thing. This is for somebody. It's probably not for all of you. It's probably for one-fourth of you, depending on your personality. Listen to the message and accept the invitation. There are some people who all they need is a preacher to preach and to give an invitation, and they're like, that's for me. I want that. It says here, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. Who are the two disciples? Anybody? Well, we know one from the passage. What is it? Andrew. And I believe we know another from the passage as well. John. John, the guy writing it, who's like so not wanting to reveal who he is, but does reveal who he is by having all of the intricate details of this meeting. It was this hour. This is what happened. This is exactly how it was. It's John, the apostle. But we don't know that. So let's focus on Andrew because we do know that. It does say it right here. Jesus walked by. John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples are like, Well, that's all we needed to hear. We're with him. And you know, Jesus knows everything, so he's not creeped out. But, you know, you and me, like if we're like walking down an alley or a street and somebody's like looking at us, you're kind of like, do you know that feeling? Anybody had that feeling? You're like, maybe you're at work and you just like look over your shoulder and like somebody's looking at you. You're like, yeah, I knew that. I don't know how I knew that, but I knew that. I just felt it. Your gaze was upon me, right? I felt it. And uh, Jesus must have felt that. Of course, he's the son of God. He knew it, right? But he felt it in his humanity. And he's like, guys, this is weird. Why are you following me, <laughs> right? Like, what's up? So he asks them a question. What are you seeking? Literally, what are you seeking in your life? What do you want from Jesus? What are you seeking in life? See, Andrew was a phlegmatic. You're like, how do you know that? Well, just take your Bible and flip it over just a couple pages to John chapter 6. We'll get here in a couple weeks. But look at verses 8 and 9. John chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here, right, this is the feeding of 5,000, who has five barley loaves, just trying to be reliable, right, and two fish, but what are they for so many? See the negativity there? <laughs> He's like, I don't, I don't think this is going to work. So phlegmatics, like the high S on the disc test, okay, they are steady, they're sensitive, they're reliable, they're realistic. Do you see how realistic this guy is? He's like, that ain't going to feed 5,000. Ding, you know. But they're also um, easily negative, they're stubborn, and they're resistant. If you're married to a phlegmatic, can I get an amen? No amen? Well done, well played. 
See, Andrew never preached any sermons, no sermons recorded that we know of, but he was a personal soul winner. He was a guy that went out there and he told his brother right off. And it's pretty cool. And Jesus asked Andrew, what are you seeking in life? He wanted to know, what's the purpose, what's the goal of you following me? Why are you really here? Why'd you come to church today? What do you want from Jesus? Do you want more time? Do you want more money? Do you want more opportunity? What kind of opportunity? Opportunity to serve him? Or opportunity to do your own thing? Do you need healing? Is that what you want? Do you need help? How about health? We all want that, right? Maybe it's heaven. Jesus, could I just get to heaven, please? What are you seeking, he says. Are you looking for affirmation for your own opinions and desires today? Well, I kind of think this, so just tell me I'm right. That's what I think a lot of us are looking for that. Or, or are you looking for answers to life's toughest questions? Why do I have cancer? I love God. doesn't seem right. Why do good people die? Why do bad things happen to good people? What are you seeking in life? What do you want from Jesus? That's a good question. Jesus asks the question, now back in chapter 1, what are you seeking? And they're like, hey, teacher. As in, we want you to teach us. And where are you staying? As in, can I get your location? Because if now's not a good time, maybe we could come back later and interview you. We want to spend time with you. We want you to want us. Phlegmatics uh, need to be wanted. And Jesus says what? Come. Come. Come and you will see. You're going to see where I stay. You're going to see who I am and what I'm doing. He says, come and you will see. So they came. And they saw where he was staying. Staying, stayed, this, now used three times, is one of John's favorite words. It means to remain, to continue, to abide. Think about John 15. Abide in me and I in you. And think about it in regards to this passage right now. He's like, it's the 10th hour. Like, it depends on which calendar you're going by, but let's just say it's 10 a.m., he stays with them all day. Some people need Jesus just to stay. Some people just need to stay with Jesus. Some people just need time with Jesus. And so he invites them to that time and he takes all the time in the world for them. First you come, then you see they did it and it changed everything. And so my question to you is, come is this great invitation of God's grace. Jesus is asking you to come and see him. 
are you taking him up on that offer? Are you taking him up on that offer to go to church? You're like, I'm here. Yeah, how about regularly? Are you worshiping Christ regularly? Like every week? And is it the celebration that God intends, right? This is a time to celebrate how we've been following him all week. This isn't like our one time a week to follow him. That's how I grew up, right? Let's just follow him. So I'll show up on Sunday. Like spending time with God is in the word, in prayer. It's every day, all day long. You can spend time with him. He wants to spend time with you. Matter of fact, he'll linger and stay with you all day. Just ask him to. Just act like he is doing that. So he wants to spend time with us. And so my question to you is, do you want to spend time with him? First, we need to listen to the message and accept the invitation to come. Come. Come worship me. Come be with me so you know I'm worthy to worship. All right, the second thing. Andrew, the phlegmatic, that's great. Listen to the message and accept the invitation. Now, now, Peter. <laughs> what do you think Peter is? He's a sanguine for sure. He's off the rails, all right? If you're sanguine in here, you probably were out partying last night. It was awesome. And you were the life of the party. That was great. And, um, you know, they're a little rash and impulsive. They love people. They're persuasive. And they like to party. They're optimistic. You got to love a good sanguine, right? But they're emotional. They're weak-willed. They're loud. And they're late. <laughs> All the time. Not because they don't like you, but because they like the person they were with so much they didn't say, I have to go. That's why. I might know a little bit about this. So see what Jesus does here with Peter. He takes a guy who's rash and impulsive and he says something in the first time he sees him. He says something. Watch this now. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, verse 41. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. We found Christ, we found the anointed one. The people anointed in the Old Testament are prophets, priests, and kings. I could give you references, it's not for today. Prophets, priests, and kings, okay? They're anointed, and so Jesus is the prophet, priest, and king, and he's the anointed one, all wrapped up in one. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scripture. I'm just gonna flip back one page to Luke chapter 24. I'm gonna read it for you from Jesus himself. Then he said to them, verse 44, chapter 24 of Luke, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, 
Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. That's Jesus saying, I'm the fulfillment of everything you've ever read in the Old Testament. There's other places you could go to where it says the same thing. That one's just real close. He says, we found the Messiah. The one we're all looking for. You know when we went to Sunday school or the tabernacle or the temple when we were kiddos? We listened to the rabbi and he was like telling us about this guy. We found the guy. And he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, can you imagine Jesus, the one who created everything, who knew everything from the beginning of time, but now he's in flesh, right? The God-man. And he's meeting the person that at the very beginning of time, he knew would be the head and leader of the church, his bride. For the first time in human flesh, he meets Peter face to face. Woo this is going to be good. And he goes right after it. He goes, so you're Simon, right? The son of John. Well, I've been waiting for this opportunity. You shall be called Cephas. You're like, big deal. Which means Peter. You're getting closer. They're different languages. They're saying the same thing. It means, I wish they would just translate it rather than transliterate it, right? It, it means rock. Hey, Peter, Mr. Impulsive, Mr. Rash, I'm going to change you to be a rock, to be solid, secure. And you know what a sanguine needs? They need to feel secure. God, by changing his, by giving him a nickname, hey, bud, we're pals, I'll give you a nickname. And here's what it means, rock. <laughs> right? He must have felt pretty secure right in that moment, like, hey, we're, we're good. You like me. And you have a plan for me. And I, I think that's great. It's pretty cool what Jesus did right there. You're a rock. He received his new identity. Now, it did take a while, didn't it? As it would with Sanguine, for him to get it. So uh, Jesus spent the next three years in deep relationship with Peter, right? Refining his character. <laughs> can you think of a few situations? I can. How about just flip over to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, and I'll give you the point here. Number two, lock in on a deeper relationship. Lock in on a deeper relationship and find maturity. That's what Peter needed to do. He needed to stop like bebopping around like with every little buddy, and he needed to get with like Jesus. He needed to lock in on a healthy, deep relationship with Jesus and he needed to find maturity. He needed to grow up a little bit. And Jesus spent three years with him gently doing that. This is at the end of the three years in chapter 13. Look at verse 6. 
Look at verse 6. He came to Simon, Peter, because he's washing the disciples' feet. That's the context. Who, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? No way. No way. Okay, I just want to submit to you something. That the words no and Lord should never be in the same sentence. Because if you're saying no, then obviously he's not your Lord. Do you get it? So this is just weird from the start. Rash and impulsive guy, okay? It's like, does, are you verbally processing? I think you are. Okay, Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now. But afterwards, you will understand. Think about it a while, Peter. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, well, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Ooh. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Mr. Rash and Impulsive, like that was a flip-flop. It's like, no, you can't wash my, wash everything. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is clean but it's completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. He was talking about Judas, because Judas was there, and he wasn't clean. He wasn't bathed. wasn't saved. Didn't trust Jesus. Look down at, uh, right after um, the new commandment, uh, verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, verse 36 now, Lord, where are you going? Because he told him he was going to have to go away. Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now. But you will follow afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? The guy will not take no for an answer. I will lay down my life for you. Jesus said, you will. <laughs> Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Really? Truly I say to you, the rooster will crow till you have denied, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. The, okay, so Jesus spent all this time with Peter, refining his character, knowing he was going to be the guy who was going to preach the very first message in the church where 3,000 people were going to get saved. Right? But he was also going to be the guy who would deny Jesus three times. Just think about that. Peter's the guy who on the road when they're walking is the first guy to say when Jesus says who do, you, who do you say that I am you are the Christ that's who you are I mean, just think about this guy think about after Jesus died and how Peter went back to fishing because he was trying to find his identity again didn't feel like he was on a solid foundation then, did he? Even though his name was Rock. Sometimes we're like that. So I just ask you, where do you find your identity today? Where are you finding your identity? If you're finding it in something other than Jesus Christ, it's a slippery slope. It's going to slide away. And Jesus was saying to Peter exactly what he needed to hear and inviting him to a relationship. He said, you're going to be solid. 
And some people need to hear that it's going to be okay. It's going to be a secure place. So if that's you today, Jesus is calling. Jesus is inviting you to follow him. Listen to the message and accept the invitation. Two, lock in on a deeper relationship and find maturity. And then this is three. Lean into the challenge and follow passionately. Lean into the challenge and follow passionately. Can anybody uh, come up with who this might be as far as a personality type? It's going to be the cleric, and here's why. Just look at this now. Clerics are decisive, they're driven, they're passionate, they're also idealistic. Sometimes it's not great when they're impatient and inflexible and busy. But Philip, you flip over to chapter 6 again, you're going to see it. Philip is the logistics guy. He's the guy you go to if you want the stat quick. If you want to know what's going on, go to Philip, right? He's, he's calculated it all. He knows the answer already. He's been down every hallway, and he has, this is the hallway we should go down. This is the road we should take, okay? So just look at it in verse, uh, John chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, same scenario, feeding of the 5,000. Lifting up his eyes, this is Jesus then, and seeing that the large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, hey, Philip, logistics guy, Mr. Driven, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Not a trick question. And verse 6, look what it says. He said this to test him. Why? Because clerics love a challenge. They're like, give me the test. I'm going to pass now. I'm going to get an A too. For he himself knew what he would do. See, Jesus already knows what he's going to do. So why is he asking him? He's testing him. He just wants to sharpen the saw a little bit. Hey, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? How much would it cost anyway? Give me the stats, please. Just the facts. Philip answered him. Didn't pause. He was just like, boom, here it is. Right? 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a mouthful, a little. He's like, it ain't happening. We don't have it. All right, look at verse, uh, back to chapter one. Look at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided, he's being very decisive, isn't he? He's like, we're gonna go. Gotta go to Galilee. Gotta find this guy you've been talking about named Philip. He found Philip, right, who Peter and Andrew knew, right? It was a fisherman friend, I guess. And uh, he found Philip and he said to him, hand in the chest, right? Boom. Follow me. Right? He's just like, you, me, let's go. Philip's like, all right. Because that's the kind of leader that person wants to follow. Somebody who's going to straight to it. Give it to me straight. I want to know how's it going to be? Who's in charge? I want you to notice that Andrew, the phlegmatic, four verses, 97 words. Peter, the sanguine, 
two verses, 44 words. And Philip, the cleric, one verse, 18 words. It's short, it's brief, it's to the point. Let's go. Philip wanted to be tested. Philip wanted the challenge. And maybe there's some people in here in the room like, like we talk, start talking about moving to jam. You're like, let's go. When can we go now? What do we need to do? Let's do it. Like, and that gets exciting. Philip met the challenge. He went and found Nathaniel. And the next several weeks, we're going to, right? This is what we're going to do as a church is we're going to try to tackle this challenge of moving to jam. It's what our leaders have said, this is what's best for us. And now we're like, okay, let's go do that. And it's going to be hard for some of us. And it's going to be hard, I think, for all of us, but more hard for some of us, to kind of pick up roots and change and be like, okay, we're going to do something different. Something that we can't see is better, but we think is better and so I invite you to this challenge. I feel like God's testing our church right now. It's like, do you love me? Are you going to follow me? Are you ready to meet the challenge? I'm giving you an opportunity. It looks bigger than you. It is bigger than you. But I want you to step out in faith. Follow me. And I'm like, okay, God, let's go. Let's go. Hope that we can all respond and meet the challenge to step up and serve Jesus Christ, to stretch us a little bit and to meet the test head on. Some need to listen to the message and accept the invitation. Others need to lock in on a deeper relationship and find maturity. Still more need to lean in to the challenge and follow passionately. Right? Some of us need to work for Christ, right? I challenge you, right? And this isn't for everybody, okay? Other people need to be asked a different way. Would you work? We need you, right? But some of you need to be like, get on it now. Let's go. We need your help. All right, this last part, number four. Jesus just knows, when he's walking by, he just knows some of you need this, some of you need this, some of you need this. And, and here's the last thing. Leave the doubts behind and experience greater power. So the last guy, melancholy is all we got left, Nathaniel, right? He's like the guy uh, who is detail-oriented, he's creative, you know, it's your artist, your musicians, you're all that. Um, he's emotional, he's pessimistic, eh, I don't know. And, um, you know, he's maybe too cautious, discontent for sure, and obsessive. So, some not so great qualities. <laughs> Good and bad. You got to accept them both. Everybody, right? Don't you have to do that with your spouse? Don't you have to do that with people at work? Don't you have to do that in the church, in your small group? I don't like that about them. Sometimes your, your strengths are also your weaknesses. Does anybody get that? Yeah. They are. My strengths are actually also my weaknesses. The things I'm good at, I'm also kind of bad at. Or people don't like it. 
So Nathaniel, the melancholy guy, here's what he says. Philip found Nathaniel and he said to him, we have found him whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Do you see all the detail? It's like, and this, 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 and this. It's like, because I know that's how you need it, Nathaniel, right? He's like, all these details. <laughs> what a nice guy Philip is, being a cleric, to just know his friend and to get after it. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Really? You're getting duped. Prove it to me, right? He's like, he's like, he's the doubt guy. Philip's like, we found him. We found him. We found him. And Nathaniel's like, nah, I don't believe it. I won't believe it unless I see it. I have to experience it. I have to touch it. I have to feel it. It has to be real to me. And so what does Philip say? Look at it. Philip says, all right, if you need to touch and feel and see and experience it for yourself, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Mr. Doubter, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, now listen, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Now, you're not going to get this by reading the passage. But if you read it enough and you read a couple commentaries, there's a lot of references to Genesis 28. Write Genesis 28 in your Bible. Genesis 28. Go read that this week. Genesis 28 is about Jacob. He's a deceiver. He's a tricker. He tricked his dad into giving him a blessing. He duped his brother out of his birthright. He, he's not like an honest dude, all right? Like, that's it. And if you know anything, like right here about Genesis 28, um, Nathaniel had been allegedly reading meditating on, that's what under the fig tree means. It's kind of like, a, 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 like a, a phrase that rabbis would use. Let's get under the fig tree. Let's, let's go meditate on God. And so there's a lot of things going on here that you wouldn't necessarily see, but then he wraps it up with, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's Jacob's ladder. That's the reference to Jacob's in the same chapter. Genesis 28. So there's all these things happening that are pointing to Jacob, even Israelite, right? Israel is Jacob's name. And he says, he says, okay, so this is going to get astounding. Jesus knows him without ever meeting him. And he says this, he says, behold, an Israelite, one from Jacob, the deceiver, in whom there is no deceit, uh, no guile, He's sincere. He's basically like, you're sincere. There's no hypocrisy in you. You're authentic. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? How, how, have we met? I don't think we've met actually. So like, how do you know me? And then Jesus follows up with, before Philip called you, 
So remember right before Philip was like, hey, come and see? Yeah, that right then. When you were under the fig tree in meditation, time with God, and God was obviously interacting with you about something, let's just say Genesis 28 perhaps, I saw you. Nathaniel's like, what just happened? Nathaniel says, okay, I get it for myself. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. See, this melancholy, this theologian, this apologetic guy is like, oh my goodness, that was a miracle. And some people just need a preacher to tell them, hey, come, come to Jesus. And other people need a miracle. Flat out, they just doubt everything until it's like, boom, ha, there he is. And some people need a miracle. I just came to church to say to you, whatever you need, would you ask God for it? Because Jesus is passing by today and he wants to meet your gaze. As in fact, he wants you to get your eyes on him. So just ask him, God, Lord, Jesus, please reveal yourself to me so I can recognize you because I want to follow you. And I don't get it right now. And then trust that he will meet you however you need because that's the God we serve. He's a loving God who's coming hard, pursuing each one of us just the way we need to be approached. I love that about God, that he knows us intimately, that he loves us and wants to have a personal relationship with us. This is how Jesus called his very first followers. And this is how he continues to call people to follow him today. You got to love that about Jesus. He's worth following. We're all different. Go ahead and say it. I'm different. It's kind of fun if you tell your neighbor, you're different. Little emphasis there. Oh, you're different for sure, Joe. Come on now. You're different. And Ben, you're different too. It's fun to joke about, but we're all different. And we need to accept each other, right? It's great wickedness when we judge each other, our, judge each other's actions, when we don't really understand people's heart motives. And how could we? We're not like them. So let's be careful with that. And that'll help our church grow. And then let's get on following Jesus Christ. Whether you need to worship Christ, right? You need to listen and accept the invitation, come to worship with him, right? Or whether you need to walk with Christ, you need a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ so you can find a level of maturity that you need to be at, right? That you need to get to. You want to present everyone mature in Christ. Whether you need to work for Jesus, right? Maybe that's your application out of this. It's like, I need to meet the challenge to like step in and go hard after God. I need to follow him passionately. I want to do that. 
I'm all in. Or maybe you're doubting, right? That God could use you to bring anybody to church, to him, to Kellogg, to JM, wherever we're going to meet, right? I got to say to you, it's time to witness. It's time to testify to what God's done in your life because you're going to see greater power than you've ever seen before when you stop doubting that Jesus can do it and you start believing that through your testimony and your witness, he is bringing people to himself. What a great passage we have right here. What's your next step in following Jesus? What is it? What's your next step in following? Is it worship? Is it walk? Is it work? Is it witness? Is it listening? Is it locking in? Is it leaning in? Is it leaving doubt behind? What's your next step? Could you take it today? Because Jesus is right here. Matter of fact, I don't know if he's just walking by. I think he's lingering today. I think he's waiting on you. Waiting for you to look at him and to say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you believe that? Because he is. And believing that and living that out changes everything for us. Let's pray. God, you are amazing and we love you. Thanks for meeting with us today. Thanks for walking by. Thanks for being here, lingering and asking us just the way we need to be asked to follow you. So God, we here, we're here and we're, uh, we're contemplating now how we should follow you. and where we should follow you. God, speak to us. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen.